Let thy soul be awakened. It's on, we're hot. Yeah. Um, so I I emailed the government mm, because I, I wanted to know what we should talk about today. Oh, yeah. And I'm waiting with bated breath, and the government has not responded. Neither has big tech, and I don't I don't know what to think about. Yeah, you got to be really careful. If they don't tell me what to think about, and if they don't tell me what to talk about, right? And they don't tell me what to watch, and how to be. I know. Um, I don't. I just don't know what to do. Yeah, no, so I know. It's so hard to operate in the world now. This podcast is. Um, it's gonna probably be a real dullard episode. Yeah, just. Forewarning, we're not sure what to talk about. We haven't heard from Saki yet. Hoping to hear from the press team. Um, the Biden press team. Yeah, Jen I, know, Saki. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I was tracking all this stuff, monitoring the White House that's monitoring social media for mm. the misinformation yes and i guess it's the what the big the big uh, misinformation 12. 12 there's 12 of them and i posted the list of the 12 people which it turns out i think i was following most of them uh or a few of them I they're like say. the 12 disciples yeah. of misinformation exactly yeah um the fact though that people are seem to be cool with this and that uh, I can only imagine, like, if you have, like, the White House and government, whoever the fuck is in the White House, I don't give a shit, openly saying that they're tracking uh, social media for misinformation because everything has to go by what they say is the correct information. Yeah. When all of these, almost all of these people are, like, naturopath uh, doctors, holistic physicians, chiropractors, like, people trained in you know with you know extensive phds and scientific all they got all the certification yep um and that's scary to me and i even heard some reporters like total lamestream reporters um i i'd have to research it to find the exact quote and the exact reporter but the gist of it was aren't you concerned that this is like Big Brother overreach. Mm -hmm. And she just said, no, people aren't going to be concerned with this. People are going to be more concerned with people dying than, you know, because of this information. So What? So it's just people dying is always the default that everyone, human yeah, everyone wants decided to give that, oh, yeah, we'll give the government all the power. Um, yeah, but it's not even power. It's just I'm saying I'm in favor of the government telling everyone how to think what to do and what they should look at and that's what like that's that makes life so much easier i would know right. what to if i got a little like email from mm -hmm. some official government employee mm -hmm. that said okay talk about this on your podcast it just it's so much easier like thinking yeah. is r ridiculous it's really hard and it's overrated yeah. it's boring and it's exhausting yeah i so i'm done You're i'm done, with, done with thinking okay uh, Should we so just like just that's completely burn our bookshelf too? Uh, well, that'll not yet because it's hot right now. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do that. Okay. Um, 
but I, you know, I did post, I posted the list and I said, don't follow these accounts. Yeah. It was very clearly satire and I was being facetious. And then I posted, it was like Dr. Mercola who has like, I think you can buy his supplements at probably CVS and Rite Aid. Well, Andy, you posted the, um, the thing about it's the benefits of green tea. Yeah. So totally he had a post benign. about, yeah, green tea for green tea is actually really good and proven scientifically uh, for weight loss, metabolism, mood. There's a ton of benefits of green tea, antioxidant. Everybody hates oxidants. And if there's one thing I'm against, it's oxidation. So yeah. I'm strong antioxidant stance. Um, I support. But. Uh, I posted, I was like, don't follow. I was like, misinformation about green tea. <laughs> it was so obvious I to know. me that the whole thing was a satire. It was like a fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you to everyone telling me what I can and shouldn't, where I should get my information. Right. Um, having, well, I grew up reasonably holistically minded. But then once I really delved into learning magic, I learned you have to learn herbalism. I learned iridology. You have to learn a general intense regimen on natural health. And some people want to take it further and some people become like naturopath physicians and stuff like that. But um, I was posting all of that. And then I woke up in the morning, like I had lost all these followers and people were like, how dare you tell me what <laughs> I can and can't follow? It was like, people should be able to think for themselves. And that statement was very interesting to me because that was like a general narrative I heard. Yeah. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If you're thinking for yourself, why are you getting so mad? Which I'm clearly, it's a joke here, a yes. satire. But people don't get sarcasm. And sarcasm died with the millennials. But mm -hmm. we can get into that. Um, but, uh, and satire, definitely. It's out. It's off the window. Nobody gets it yeah. anymore. People are so literal. Um, but I thought it was interesting that I was like getting bitched at by people. How dare I tell them what they can and can't follow and how they should think. But then I'm like well, wait a minute, you're completely contradicting yourself because you're turning to me and you're admitting that you actually want me to tell them how to think. Exactly. Because you're following my Instagram with bated breath wondering, well, what's it going to post about? How should I think? Right. But then I tell them how to, well, it was all a joke that they didn't get. Mm. But um, I thought that was really interesting. Like I thought it contradicted yeah. itself by saying that. And um Everybody, you should a million percent do your, like, we have the world's greatest research tool now, even though it's all getting, you know, buried and censored and things yeah. like that. We're probably going to get back to a point where we have to, like, stand on a soapbox somewhere in 3D and, you know, hand out printed materials and books. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so... What should we talk about if they're not telling us how to think and what to well, talk about? Well, I don't know. I just I was just thinking of um what was it called? Google it it was like a Google search engine where you can suppose oh, Google incognito, which actually isn't incognito at all. Everything is still It just tracked. doesn't track your history. Yeah. You're not gonna find yeah. different. You have to like dark web it, VPN it and things like that. But even then it's Google still just controls the information. I think the problem is a lot of people uh, because they're not necessarily tracking this, um, aren't aware of the level 
of censorship and the level of of posts and information getting taken down. Yeah. Even people I know that have had some kind of funky, to adver- just adverse reactions to, say, getting a vaccine, they can't. They post about it um, like you would if you took a whatever a high blood pressure medication and mm-hmm. you started getting migraines or a headache or something. That should be shared information. Like every medication always has a warning. You know, right. if you watch a pharmaceutical ad, there's always right at the end. You know, a whole list and fast talk and and microscopic print of the side effects, and that's natural. We all accept that there's side effects, but the fact that now people can't even discuss a negative side effect is is scary. It's really intense. I was listening to um, Brett Weinstein's podcast, and he was talking about how a lot of um, peer review studies are what basically informs pharmaceutical companies of the adverse effects to certain drugs. And one of the things that they feel he and his wife were lacking right now is this, what happened to the team, the researchers of skeptics, because you have to have this team of skeptics in order to really put together a peer review study of, you know, reactions and effects to certain things that people are taking that are new. (laughs) Yeah, you're not allowed to dismantle anything. Yeah. So... (laughs) Um, should we talk supplements? Well, yeah. Cause should I we got, promote? I, have a my, nat- I just we had promote- pearl ash. <laughs> I just we- made myself a smoothie. So what did you put in that? Okay, so I put magnesium in it, pearl ash, hishu wu, um, whey protein, and almond. What else did I put in it? Vitamin or green. Vitamin Earl Green, yeah, and um, almond milk and bananas. Somebody's gonna. I'm gonna be a smoothie girl now. Someone's gonna it's call only her. taken ten years for me to become a smoothie girl in They're Los all Angeles. over LA. They're everywhere. So you probably get them in Florida even. It's funny because I remember I told my friend I was like I'm not I'm not LA like I don't seem like a girl that lives in LA and she's like what are you talking about? You date a numerologist. You work in the film industry. Oh hold on. And I you take wait. No, 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 you're not done. I'm not done. You date a numerologist, you work in the film industry, and you just fired your life coach. And I was like, okay, that's pretty. (laughs) I was like, all right, all signs point west. Um, Yeah, that that is about as LA as it gets, except (laughs) I just want to say I'm not uh, just a numerologist. That's true. I'm a mystic. I told her that. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not just one thing. Except please buy the numerology book because I am a numerologist. (laughs) Um, But it's like this desire. Actually, that's what I do like about LA is you don't have to be boxed in as one one thing. And it's no big deal. Um, But numerology does fall under the guise of all of the magical stuff that I talk about and teach about. And I actually pulled some cards today, some things to touch on. I also, um, something that we've been talking about, I kind of wanted to touch on some teachings and like how to actually be a spiritual student and how to have a spiritual teacher. Mm. Um, And those were my ideas since I'm still waiting for the government to tell me what to talk about. But those were my thoughts. Those were my free thinking. It's interesting. As you said that, I don't know if you want to psychoanalyze what just happened in my head, but as you were saying what it's like to have a a spiritual teacher, I heard the velvet underground song. I'll be your mirror. 
you know, it's all be your mirror, reflect what you are in case you don't know. And then I was like, maybe that on the subconscious, or I'm consciously hearing that. Maybe that could be a theme song to having a teacher. Are they like a mirror? Yeah, it's interesting that you think that. Yeah. Why? I don't, I mean, that, that, con- that whole concept. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that they're like a mirror. And different traditions probably have different ways that there's teachers. And then there's some level of how deep you go with the teacher. Mm-hmm. I experienced growing up on a community that had a, that was run by a spiritual teacher, by spirit, by Swami Satchidananda. That was a very large enterprise. Right. Uh, thousands of people from all over the world were involved with this. Still are. Some are not. Um, and uh, that is sort of an Eastern idea of a teacher. A lot of people don't know what it's like to actually have a, a teacher in the, quote, Western mystery tradition. Now there's a lot of similar overlaps, and I think in the West, um, and which is a very entitled culture overall, um, people don't understand these notions, mm. and so this is where I see so much negative press and documentaries about, um, you know, cults and things like that. Mm. And people don't get it. They don't understand it. Uh, you know, the Catholic Church is a cult. Like, in the magical tradition, a cult is, is a society, generally spiritually-minded society, that, you know, prescribed to certain spiritual teachings. Right. Um, so the Catholic Church just happens to be a very large one. Mm-hmm. But this notion, too, like a cult where you're going to get brainwashed and you can't leave and stuff like that, there are fake as teachers that create things like that. But there's a lot, I learned how to be a spiritual student and there's some certain things to just sort of roll with it and go with it. And the one thing that I was taught is that a a true spiritual teacher is never going to attack you Mm. and is never going to go after you or your soul, but your ego, meaning all the false parts of you, will get skewered. Mm. And when you start getting super defensive and insecure and you start to feel rattled, this is where people's consciousness get triggered. And it's very common in um, in many spiritual traditions where people turn and people turn on their practice. People, people are, you're not even turning on your teacher. You're really just turning on yourself. Mm. A teacher's, like, if you look at the Hierophant card, which is the archetype energy in tarot of the spiritual teacher, the Hierophant is kind of almost just a statue and is a conduit and um, is the expounder of the mysteries. And so the teacher is sharing the teachings. Now, in the tarot deck that I use, the Thoth deck, you'll see these four masks that also represent the four elements. But at the same time, what I was taught is those masks represent that a very evolved, a very high teacher can wear all of these different masks and present teachings in different ways. And you also have to expand on that beyond a person and just know that spiritual teachings come through many different areas, arenas, spiritual masks, music, art, songs, television shows, whatever. The universe is teaching us and speaking to us. So you have to stay really open to it. But it's, again, it's very much about the teachings, less about 
the teacher, mm. but at the same token, when you decide that someone's going to be your teacher, it's because of them. Um, and you know, it depends how far and how deep you want to take it. And I went really deep and, um, my ego was being confronted all the time. Mm. And, um, the other teaching is that the, the, teacher will give you just enough rope to like hang yourself and will lead you down what's called the garden path, right? Of your own sort of delusion. Um, but a real teacher isn't going to really let you get into trouble and get into danger. But I see people quit their path all the time. I even see it in recovery. People build up a resentment for something and something manifests in their head and their psyche. And it's that sort of lower part of themselves that does not want them to evolve. And we all have that. Um, we'll come up with a million great reasons, whether it's through anger, whether through its resentment, uh, you know, to, uh, come up with great ways to, to leave your evolution. Mm. Um, and are there incidents? There are probably, there are false teachers for sure. But on some level, if you're learning something, you're learning something. Um, but on, on a very high level, there's only a few people, I think, on the planet that really got close and had a teacher at a certain level. And I know the level that I had. And when you're with a teacher, with a real guru, you're in the lion's den. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy, but what you get is profound. And, you know, like, for example, I teach people, but, you know, on some level, it's a lot lighter. You right. know, I'm teaching videos and how to do some tarot and uh, teaching through this podcast and everything else that I'm doing through a book now. Um, you know, this is that's not the arena where I've dedicated to say or where people are like, oh, People do call me, for example, their teacher, and I'm showing. And yes, I'm teaching, you know. Uh, just like I took Tai Chi for briefly, and I had a Tai Chi teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't consider them my spiritual teacher, but I learned things that helped my spirituality. So in that sense, they were my spiritual teacher. But I just see this notion, especially in Western culture, people don't always know how to be students. Mm -hmm. And some people don't know how to be teachers. And so, so much gets misconstrued. Right. And um, you'll be confronted. Like even like with a reading, like a couple of those readings I did for you <laughs> where I confronted you and confused yeah. you with reality. Yeah. I mean, did you ever experience where your ego got super defensive and petty and pissed off? I feel like there's a lot down? of layers, though, when it's you're someone you're in a relationship with. I don't know. So you're saying it wasn't a valid because <laughs> I, I mean, it, know, we're in a relationship. It was definitely true, but I, d I probably wouldn't have reacted the way I did if I weren't in a relationship with you. I probably would have just been like, yeah, 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 you're right. So, Rather but ultimately than that's challenge on, that's what on you're that's on you. You didn't really challenge me, but I'm saying that's on you and how you choose to respond to the situation. Yeah. Well, remember when we were doing that event at Fred Siegel? 
Yes. And I was doing tarot readings for like a furniture launch. Yeah. Which was actually really fun. It was awesome. Um, I, I'm a fan of Fred Siegel. And you actually went in there and somehow left my business card recently. And then somebody started following my Instagram. Or no, I left my business card from mm-hmm. like a year ago and I was looking for shirts. Yes. And then she, this woman took over the accounts and then scrolled through, found my Instagram based on my business card, started following, messaging me. Yeah. And she said it was like this whole big opening and she was really cool and now we message on social media and she works at Fred Siegel right over here but the day that. she found it is when you met somebody for lunch over there but anyhow oh, that's right we were doing this cool event this is one thing I love about LA is you do tarot reading events at like super swanky boutique for a furniture launch for those yeah. people that had like a huge didn't they have like a house flipping show or something yeah. the Novigrads yeah. or whatever yeah uh, they were super nice, and that was like this crazy fun event. Mm. Um, but didn't some lady come in just off the street who wasn't invited to the event yeah. and started yelling at you about that you're like, you can never get a reading from someone you're in a relationship oh, with? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. She was actually a tarot reader, and she was like, what's going on in here? And then she saw. and. But then- did she notice that someone was doing tarot readings, or she just was like, strolled up in an event is like i'm a tarot reader i feel like she just strolled up i have no idea i think it's just because it was on sunset boulevard people are just walking by and you know i don't think there was a list she announced herself as a tarot reader yeah she's like i do this and it's you should not get readings from remington your boy because he's your boyfriend okay she didn't know who i was no she had no idea all right well you should state that a little differently okay i'm gonna i'm gonna say that again she said you should not ever get a reading from someone who you're intimately involved with that's you know that's actually an interesting point and it's I would just say you probably shouldn't get a reading from most people, period. Right. And it's because what she is trying to say, and I don't think she's aware of it, is this is my guess and what she's projecting is that um, because, let's take us, for example, I know what's going on in your life. Mm -hmm. I know a lot about you. So I think she's implying that the reading would be biased and that I would be my intellect would be uh, taking the information that I know about you and projecting that. What she's saying is that, I believe what she's saying is that a reader may project everything that they know. And this is true. Yeah. And I was deeply trained. Most readers are not deeply trained. Mm-hmm. Most readers don't have someone that they say, this is my spiritual teacher in a mystery tradition that I'm going to learn spiritual tools from. Yeah. And what you learn in the Western mystery tradition, if you're learning authentically, is that you can't let your subjective lens interpret through a reading. Mm -hmm. And it would be very easy for an unevolved reader to just project. And I get readings here and there, and I've gotten readings, I should say, from people they know enough about me where they're projecting mm-hmm. everything that they know about me. And I right. see it all the time. And to me, that's, that's always a huge red flag. I, that's, that's one of the things that I have trouble with when I've tried doing readings for other people. Um, I just, I, I worry that I'm projecting. Well, I spent years and years and years with different techniques, meditative techniques, specific training. And I was called out all the time. 
Really? This is a teacher is going to call you out. Yeah. Teacher isn't trying to attack you. And now that makes me a better reader. Mm -hmm. uh, because, like, uh, there's actually exercises we would do. We would take, it's the deconstruction of an object. And you take, an, uh, someone will place a, a completely unknown, somewhat random object you may or may not recognize and it was interesting to see a room full of people meditate on this object gaze into it and then everyone had a story as to what the object was its backstory uh everything and almost every time in the beginning everyone was projecting their own experience and i remember looking at an object and i thought it looked like old like soda cans if i recall and then my teacher was like, uh, gee, do you think that has anything to do with the fact that you like work in restaurants and mm. bartend and I handle beverage containers all the time? And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Right. So I thought my imagination was going and really open to it. But I was just projecting my own experience and pre like that's my experience is right. oh let's say a lot of restaurants and things like that so some of it takes practice but um i'm just saying that's probably what this woman was talking about yeah um, she just didn't know you had the goods and then yeah but i'll i that's why i like doing readings i know nothing about mm -hmm. anybody it's a it's actually for me it's a lot easier yeah um and then when i when i work with somebody more regularly it then becomes easier because we know the topics and the issues that we're talking about, and then we can go deeper with them. Mm -hmm. um, and here and there, I'll do readings where I swear people just want to just tell me everything. Yeah. And I'm sort of like, well, you're paying me for the reading, but maybe you just want an expensive person to talk to, I yeah, suppose. Well, there's that. Um, but you're not a bad person to talk to. That event, though... I guess we were talking about that reader and the, yeah, about just using that projection. But I had a teacher who would call me out and like, you have to be open-minded and objective enough with yourself. If you're going to have a teacher, even if you're going to have a, like a life coach, a, a really talented life coach will is going to call you out. Mm -hmm. A very unevolved life coach or a very unevolved teacher will just call you out for no greater purpose other than their their own ego yeah um but having a teacher this is what i learned if you're gonna say this is someone i trust as a teacher just don't don't argue no like never say yeah but yeah. like so if my teacher was like well do you think this has something to do with you working in a restaurant and i just said yeah but it, oh, it doesn't matter. Even if the teacher is wrong, you're just breaking a flow of energy. Mm -hmm. And we over-assign the teachings just with the teacher and the human incarnation of the teacher. These All teachers are, are human, you know, well, there's non-human teachers, but in this realm, in this world, teachers, these even these big famous teachers, Sachi Nandi, who's an incarnated human being. My old teacher was an incarnated human being. Um, so we've already, so many people, especially I think in the West, project what a teacher should be, or it's all peace and love, and it's mm -hmm. always about acceptance. If you had a teacher that just accepted everything about you, and a big, big picture, they do accept you with all of your faults, but if they just allowed it all to slide, and maybe there's a teacher, that's their style, uh, I don't know them, and I don't know that that would be that would not be effective in the Western mystery tradition because then where do you change? Right. 
right? So if everything's just like, oh, I accept you as you are. Well, it's really interesting you say that because my chiropractor yesterday was saying that um, the school that her daughter goes to is now doing this thing in math where if you get the problem wrong, you still get a point for the effort. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, it's math. You either get it right or you get it wrong. And for her, she said she was horrible at math, but just knowing that she was bad at something and she had to get better, she worked harder at it and she got tutors and, you know, it was something that she, she was aware for her. She's like, you know, you have to go through these stages of failure to really reach success. And I think now we're in this like acceptance of everyone gets a trophy. I think there's some good to that though. Do you think so? In math? Well, I mean, what about, I, you were good at math, but. Not really. I was geometry. School. Gina, I hated school. Okay. I was horrible at school. I thought you were really good at geometry. No, I didn't. No, just okay. take that out. <laughs> um, I had a real interest in geometry, and yeah. uh, this is like in ninth grade, but I had horrible teachers. You know what? It's, the hell with my public school experience honestly sucked. Yeah. I didn't learn anything I wanted to learn. And when I did have an interest, nothing got cultivated. My fucking right. hippie ass parents didn't cultivate anything. Yeah. And uh, I had teachers that they're just government state workers who were like not very trying to get that they're pension. They're very dispassionate and probably just working off their damn pension. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. So when I would try to go deeper, ask questions, get philosophical, nothing came of it. So I just checked out. I stopped bringing my books to school and I checked out of school and yeah. I tried to drop out. So no. Okay, I was so not into geometry, but there but. is one lesson in fifth grade and I had a science teacher who was kind of cool and I gave this long answer. She had asked a question about, it was something to do with like plant pollinations and stuff. I don't remember what it was, but I came with this whole reason as to why they would do that. And she just was like floored and she was like, I'm giving you like major extra credit for that answer. And, uh, and it was because of my thinking was very scientific and I broke it down, even though it wasn't the right answer. And then she explained. So in that, she okay. actually gave me plus for the effort. Okay. Because it was, it was about scientific thinking. So maybe they're math, thinking mathematically. They just aren't quite understanding how to get to the answer correctly. I was, when she, t- when she explained this anecdote to me, I was thinking it was like two plus two equals five. And then you're like, well, it's not correct, but we're going to give you a point well, for effort because you did your homework or something. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you either. <laughs> I'm just, there's like a point, yeah, where I didn't everyone's ex- just going to be. I didn't ask be... exactly what the problem-solving equations were and how this child, you know, maybe went completely on another path of theoretical thinking and blew the teacher's mind. And the teacher was like, we're going to give you a point because you, you really went there, but it's just not correct. Yeah, that's how I was taking yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if they're just like 2 plus 2 equals 5, what if it does, though? There's like another mathematical dimension, and there's like invisible algebra and things like that. If so. she said that, if she was like, what if there was mathematical dimension or other dimensions where 2 plus 2 equals 5, I think that's worthy of a point. Right, so maybe next time you go back for your extra 11-pound head at the <laughs> chiropractor... Find out okay. what's going on. Yeah, now I'm really, I'm really concerned. Okay, but we do live in a bizarrely intolerant yet softy participation trophy culture. 
Yes. Um, but now I've a million percent lost my train of thought. Oh, about teachers. I'm saying oh, yes. like a, a teacher, um, if you want to grow, I, I don't think if you were like Olympic athlete and you have like a gymnastics coach, they're going to be pushing you. Totally. You just, you, what's great. What I learned about being a spiritual student is to let go and to have an objective sense of the reality of myself and with that compassion, when I could look at my own sort of faults and shortcomings and where I need to grow mm. without getting all worked up and getting my ego, my defensive self bent out of shape about every damn thing, that's where I've made a lot of strides. And when I just say, oh, yeah, I like did that was dumb, right? Yeah. Like, it's a lot easier. It's not about my relationship with my teacher. It's about my relationship with myself. And it's about my relationship with my own spiritual evolution. But I very I learned early on, don't thwart the energy. So no yeah buts. That's actually mm -hmm. tries that is a vocabulary that I try to uh eliminate in general. Yeah. Not just when someone that I deem as my spiritual teacher is talking to me. Um, but just, you know, in general, someone may have good information. It's like if you talk to someone, if I do a reading for somebody and then all they are is defensive and I hear, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, I'm like, I'm, this person's unreadable. Mm -hmm. They're uncoachable and I'll never get through to them. Yeah. And um, they have to work on that. It's interesting because I, it, I just in the, in the realm of teachers, when I worked for this director, I always felt like even though I was getting paid, there was a teacher student dynamic. And I definitely, for me, it was just being of service to the higher project and whatever, like to something higher and the mission of um, a creative project or what that person needed that day. And I think being of service is something that is also, um, in relation to having a spiritual teacher. Yeah, I feel like that was very much on some level that type of dynamic. And whether it's spiritual teacher, teacher, just in general, I think a teacher. Um, and if I went back to school now with what I know, like I got went through the muck and mire of public school, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would definitely approach it differently um, just with what I learned later in life and to still be somewhat still grateful for the things that they're trying to teach me. And somehow I came out of some system learning how to read and yeah, do basic math. Yeah. Um, even though my spirit was murdered, but <laughs> I still do those things. Um, but it's it just in general, when you want to grow and you, when you just cut it off. Mm -hmm. But I've definitely seen petty, insecure, unevolved people that assume the role of your teacher. And I've been in those situations where somebody's like kind of shoving something down my throat or uh, whether it's like a, a herbal remedy for some ailment or whatever the case is. And I'm like, I didn't open this yeah. door up with you. You're not my teacher. You're not my doctor. I don't want to hear it. But mm -hmm. I'm also pretty good at just being like, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I think I'm getting better at looking for second opinions. Um, I just don't like being held hostage by someone else's ideas that I'm not interested in. Yeah, you're really good at not being held hostage. 
just took time. Yeah, I've, I'm so impressed by you because you're like, okay, let's go. We're the power of no. I know. Is that that if that is not a book, that should be a book, and maybe I that should be one of the books. You that should I write, write the power of the no. The power of no. Each page just no. No, no. actually, that's no. Pretty, <laughs> shh, Gina, stop. <laughs> no. <laughs> More ideas. Yeah, just yeah, great. All of a sudden, someone's like, ah, I heard some obscure podcast that like nobody <laughs> listens to. And now they wrote a book, and they're on Oprah. Exactly. They're on Jimmy Kimmel. <gasps> no. On Oprah. Um, the power of no. Your life would be a lot easier if you often just said, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, I know. Everybody listening, just, it's okay to say no. Doesn't mean you're a fucking jerk. I feel like I'm getting better. I'm saying it takes some practice. Yeah. But it just is, I've lived long enough where I know I don't like to be held hostage. And I just feel like I'm getting held hostage sometimes. Yeah. And that is my least, when I am feeling, maybe it's all the Aquarius in me. Maybe it's all the Scorpio. Mm -hmm. The Scorpio in me is like, if I'm not calling the shots, no one else is going to control me. And the Aquarius in me is just like, don't try to ever pin down Aquarius energy. Yeah. Don't just be like, all right, Aquarius, you're going in this box and this is how it is. Like Aquarian energy is going to be like, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. It kind of reminds me of when we went on our like first little like getaway as a couple and well, probably our second, but I was talking to some crazy lady in the hotel lobby and I was really into it. Oh, we had this God. whole day planned. That was our first like, big argument. Let's go. Yeah, because you, you felt like you were being sucked. held hostage. I'm, because I was being held hostage. And then hostage. I was like, let's be polite. This woman is clearly no, going no. through a lot. <laughs> let's be clear. Never let somebody else's neuroses run the show. Yeah. And you allowed and choose to be in that because you were more concerned with being sweet and polite. That's there true. There is a time to be polite and then just you have to say, oh, you know what? I got to go. I have an appointment. I got a phone call. I got to check my email. There's yeah. a million reasons That's that true. you can come up with to just be like, I got to clear out of that. I don't even know what she was talking about. It was nonsensical. <laughs> she had enough money and enough, you know, uh, acuity to be renting hotel rooms. That was the most overrated hotel, by it the way. It really was. I know. I was I so I, We shouldn't call them out. They were COVID schlocked before COVID. Ex exactly. Years knew. before COVID. Yeah. That was like we rented like a, the side of a barn. It was like a shed, a tool shed. And they had like fake, uh, fake hipster um, uh, hieroglyphs on the side. Oh, like, yeah. They're not even hipster because I actually hate like making fun of hipsters is so boring and what is a hipster anyway um it's so 2012 <laughs> hipsterness started a long time yeah. ago um but there but it is, had a reboot but anyway but there's a breed of uh there's a subculture that i've noticed that it seems distinctly southern california that sort of maneuver and then a little bit even maybe from like grass valley moving on down into Joshua Tree, into Ojai, you know, these spiritual areas that maybe are like people that probably went to Coachella a little bit more spiritually minded. Uh, they definitely burn a lot of Palo Santo and Sage. Yeah. Uh, it's usually attractive women with large brimmed hats, mm -hmm. usually fine line tattoos, mm -hmm. a lot of 
arrow hieroglyphs like i think yes. the arrow is out now uh everyone has some sort of like skincare line or someone has like ceramics and things like that that they make and uh low-key everyone into, has really nice skin too, low-key I into crystals because they're all eating superfoods yeah but there's like there's it's a whole i don't know that there's a name for it but it's this it's a it's a subculture that i see very it's like very prominent and like from venice uh you know in joshua la tree, from maybe? venice to joshua tree that yeah. the uh, and it's it's all to me is the flat brimmed hats mm-hmm. and um that crowd loves like there's it's just like fake spiritual symbolism and this hotel quote it's really like barn rooms um <laughs> there's like fake hieroglyphs that mean nothing. And so yeah. it's like fake symbols everywhere. But the like little hotel lobby ha- sells Paul Santo. Yes. And somebody they know makes, has a, like a natural skincare line mm-hmm. or natural deodorant or something. Yes. Um, and there's a certain aesthetic. It's all um, inspired by Jodorowsky. Yes. And I don't know what, so if someone could message us what that subculture is, a lot of them are play vegan. I like vegan. calling it the flat brim subculture, the flat, the flat brim hats. The, the women the of the brim. flat brimmed hat. The women of the flat brim hat, yeah. It's um, like even, like even cowgirls get, cow girls get the blues, but it's even flat brimmed hat girls get the blues. I thought on some level that movie Ingrid Goes West a little bit touched it. Yeah, it. definitely. Um, but uh, I do know a lot of those people, and some of those people are clients. But there's a thing I don't know. But there's there's a whole movement of fake spiritual symbols. That's and what, they, really what I'm and they really to like out. the um, that Swedish artist Hilda Hilma Afklint. Hilma Afklint. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if I don't know the name offhand, I'll have to. Oh, he, here it is. Oh, yeah. Right, it's totally it's those those yeah. exact color patterns. It's kind of Jodorowsky esque, but it has like totally. more. It's a little more minimalist. It's, yeah, there's geometric patterns, mm-hmm. a lot of pyramid looking images, rainbow colors. It's actually exactly. pretty cool. It's art. really cool. I don't dislike the aesthetic. It's no, just, the it's aesthetic's an really nice. It's like a movement. It's like more fake deep stuff. Yeah, everything's like fake. Deep. <laughs> I do like the smell of Palo Santo though. I don't love it, except here and there I've, I've like had somebody's had like a super high quality, or there's maybe different strains. I don't know enough about it. Yeah, I feel like all of a sudden people started years like ten, twelve years ago. People are like, no, 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 sage. Someone tried to tell me sage was a gimmick by like sage salesmen. Okay, uh, that the real spiritual cleansing is Paul Santo. Okay, um, I thought that was pretty funny. Palo Santo is a little more pleasant smelling. I like white sage. You know, sage is used and grown in the Mediterranean and Europe. And it's interesting because people, uh, I, I read this thing where years ago before even woke culture really became this phenomenon. Uh, uh, but that's all because we have like dark timeline invaders. And satire has gone out the window. Satire is out the Everything window. Everything is super literal. But that burning sage was a form of colonial microaggression. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I learned about sage and magic, which you can overall, 
reasonably argue is rooted in Western European mystery schools. And mm-hmm. that is rooted pre-Christianity, um, Europe, sages growing all over the place. Um, but uh, regardless of, I don't know the energy effect of Paul Santo, but I don't really, we don't really burn it though, but dragon's blood mm. is the resin. And that is what we use in our household as well as in the magical tradition dragon's blood resin is what clears entities and major negative energies but it's like an entity banisher whereas sage is just like let's you know sort of clear the the vibe um dragon's blood is more intense and you should burn dragon's blood on a full moon if you're having nightmares or just if there's some weird entity shit happening yeah or I like preemptively burn it just to clear. Yeah. Because there's been a lot of weird. The last year in particular is like entities central. So yeah, I, I just feel like, like they like to hang in the back alley too. Like it's just yeah, our back alley is a is an entity. I think those entities are just like weird lost entities of Los Angeles. Yeah. Just roaming around. I think they just go through. They're like indifferent. They're just passing by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've definitely had some weird encounters. But so I burn the dragon's blood pretty regularly. Yeah. So more the point I'm made more than the full moon and things like that. Uh, but Is there something like if you don't like the smell of dragon's blood, it means X? Well, that's a good question because dragon's blood, I don't I actually like the smell of it. But it smells weird, and it's very intense. I I get where it could be off-putting. But I remember I had moved into this cabin years and years ago. And it was like this little cabin in the woods by a little lake in, like, deep Virginia, um, which seemed really cool at the time. And then I was like, ugh, I got to dry. Like, it wasn't as – for, like, a week, it was like, this is nice and peaceful. And then I'm like, I'm bored AF. And <laughs> I, I don't want to spend this much time like alone in a cabin. Yeah. It, it just, it was a dumb move, but literally a move. But <laughs> I had burned dragon's blood and my weird landlord came by to, I don't remember, whatever, drop something off. Nice guy, but um, he was like, oh, he was like, that smell. He's like, oh, I guess he, he thought it was like a ex- for an extermination of bugs. He okay. wasn't like, don't burn this, but the smell was very, it was clearly off-putting. And so I was thinking then, I was like, oh, there's some energies in him that are reacting and repulsed by it. That right. are probably trying to leave his like dark, weird vibe. Yeah, yeah. His all the entities that have latched on, you mean? <laughs> yeah, I think they're, <laughs> he had like weird entities. Yeah. I don't know. It may, some people just don't like the smell. A lot of people don't like the smell of frankincense. I'd love frankincense. Yeah. So some people just have different tastes. I don't actually like the smell of Balsanto. Mm-hmm. What does that say? Like I'm bad vibe or something? Yeah, you're not part of the flat-brimmed hat movement. Totally not. I don't have yeah. the fake hieroglyphs and the. It's all like the fake sim, the meaningless symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to touch back on the teacher though, and I was thinking about you know if there's fake teachers. But do you remember there was this quote teacher, and they he even created a documentary. I think his name was Kumari. It was was docu- it the holy hell one? No, 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 no. Oh. He just was this Indian guy, and he decided one day that he was going to grow his hair long and grow a beard, and he started giving talks, and he was doing it as a spoof and yeah. filming it. Then he attracted really? like this really big following, what? and he was just saying like generic 
sort of spiritual thing. He was probably reading like roomy memes yeah. or something like that. And, um, and that also, by the way, is like, I feel like the extent of where most of the world is as deep as they go or little memes on Instagram, which is fine. You, nobody has to go that deep. Um, that's up to you and that's your incarnation. But this guy did this whole thing, but all these people really resonated with what he was saying that he was sort of making up. And on some note, some, some way I always felt like, uh, he was still teaching people mm -hmm. because somehow people resonated and they shifted their lives. Did he start to really get into it or was he still? No. Okay. He didn't start to be tricked by his own. He okay. was doing it as like a spoof to film that like, Hey, like some, maybe some teachers are just like regular people. I don't, I don't really know his attention mm. completely. I watched, I was, I got about 20 minutes into the documentary and I wasn't that interested, yeah. but the notion that he like revealed at the end that he really wasn't a teacher, but I found that interesting because people were resonating with his teaching. So he was teaching. Right. And so maybe there was something in him that was deeper. And then there were some people afterwards that even revealed like, no, he's not really a guru. They were like, still really liked what he was doing and liked him and that he like officiated their wedding and stuff like that. Oh, wow. So um, again, that made me think of the Hierophant card, how the teacher has all these masks. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope that one of the takeaways, because I know you didn't finish the documentary, was that he maybe had more of a deeper understanding of the spiritual teacher student relationship and cultivated beautiful friendships and community from just being a leader and just from embodying himself as a teacher. Oh yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he got. I don't even care. Yeah. Um, like it's the, he's not my teacher. It's not my world. I just thought that notion was very interesting to me that he was inadvertently teaching people. So sometimes you don't, you don't know, but just there's some level of teacher. Like you can go to a yoga class and a lot of people are afraid to teach, but I'm like, well, you know more than the people coming up to say, take a class. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. You don't always have to get locked into being like this PhD expert in everything. Right. You know, it goes both ways. Do I see people that have huge followings say like social media followings and are just a snooze fest of like boring generic crap to me. <laughs> yeah. That's really popular. People want boring generic crap. Are there a million astrologers out there that I think are just bought into the whole mainstream narrative of everything? Aren't really moving the energy. Uh, and then people are getting trapped in everything's astrology. Like, yeah, but I'm grateful that I've learned what I, have learned and I share and teach what I teach. It might not be as quite as popular as, as that, Yeah, you know? Um, but having a teacher, if you're going to go on a deep, intense level, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. And your ego is going to get rattled and you will be tested constantly. Yeah. Do you think for some people sort of the generic, teachers that aren't really super deep that you see that you were just talking about do you think that for some people that's as far as they'll go that they that their consciousness or that's how deep they can go with with another teacher um yeah you know the gent loose teaching overall is that teachers you'll attract they'll attract the students that 
uh, it'll go as people go as deep as they want to go. Yeah. You're allowed to go deeper and some people it'll never cross their mind. Yeah. Um, I went, you know, I know that I personally went through many incarnations and I need things that go deeper than deep. Right. And so I want that level of intensity, but magic is a, is a obscure and rare path. Mm-hmm. Most people talking about it probably didn't have teachers. And at one point, even in my experience, there was only two students. So it's, wow. it's not like there's no Instagrams. There's no internet, you know, um, and some teachers teach at huge levels that, um, may, not only are they successful, but they have successful teachings. Yeah. You know, a lot of those guys that came from the East in the sixties, like how I grew up, Swami Sachinanda, from my personal experience, just had huge ashrams and centers and there's students all over the world. People that are allegedly as students never met them. Mm. I mean, I had the, the good uh, fortune to have grown up, to have been interacted, met him. Actually, he would come and teach us meditation at the school and yoga. Um, but in ma- magic's a different path. The teaching in magic is if your teacher doesn't know what type of toothpaste you use, there may not be the, your teacher. Mm. But with all the like yoga what stuff. What happens that if I, you don't know what toothpaste you yeah, use? Yeah, I don't even know. I just buy brands that like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like what it's natural. There's no fluoride. And because <laughs> I'm an anti-fluoride conspiracy theorist. Yeah. You are now too, I think. Totally. Your mom's probably listening to this like, oh, dear, <laughs> Martha, they're not using fluoride. No, my mom listens and she'll always message me and be like, I just love the banter between you and Remington. Okay. <laughs> she supports the pod. We're like shitting all over teachers. I am at least. Yeah. Public, I guess. Teacher, no, probably yeah. if I went just to private all, school. Yeah. Private you know, I really wanted too. to go to like prep, like boarding, like preppy wasp boarding school. Yeah. So bad when I was a kid. I had that like totally fantasized about it. Cause especially in new England, it's like rich prep school yeah. central. And we lived across the street from one called Pomfret Academy, which is like, like the Kennedys went there. Pomfret mm-hmm. school. Anyone you look it up. It's like super swanky. Um, yeah, it was super. I thought it would be cool that it would be a better learning environment. Like you're at the sanctuary of a school yeah. and it's completely immersive. That's like Phil. I lived right near Phillips Academy. And that was one of the things that, Anna, my sister, applied there, but um, I was too scared to apply. Uh, Well, but she didn't go. No, but she went for an interview and everything. So you're telling me she didn't get in? I don't remember. So you're just admitting? I remember she got got into one. No, I remember she got into one really good um, private school. But it was like 45 minutes on a bus back and forth every day. Well, this is what my dad said. He goes, you know, you're really not, you're not into school. Yeah. You don't even do good at school. Yeah. He goes, so why am I going to spend a a ton of money to send you to school that you're not into? Right. And I kind of was like, that makes sense. And I get his point. But my argument was if I was thrown in an immersive learning environment, you would be perhaps I would be more into it. Yeah. I could, I could um, totally see that. So honestly, though, I probably would have hated it. Yeah. It was like I w- had ideas of joining the army. And I was just, I was like, that might be really cool to learn all this stuff and guns and play and action adventure. Believe me, if you're like a guy, like, uh, it sounded appealing. Like just the thought of what I could go through, the endurance, really get in shape. 
my dad, my dad who was in the army, he was like, no, no, no. He literally forbade me to do it. Yeah. And he was like, trust me, son. He didn't say it like that, but he said that I would hate <laughs> it. And he's like, you don't like to follow any rules. And the army is full of rules. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> but don't you feel that, would you say that there was a level of following rules with your spiritual teacher in magic Absolutely. and there was a, there was a tough discipline that could have been in relation to what you might've experienced. The magical in the path was probably what I could say is very militant, very dedicated, very intense. Kundalini yoga is like that. Yeah. So yeah. And I applied that discipline, but it turns out I'm more interested in the hidden mystery treat, like mystery teachings of the universe than I, M and learning like how to use an M16. I have to say, this is my little plug of what I did last week, which was um, I was on set and I had to hold the bounce for what's that? Like, it's like a, it's like a piece of cardboard. There's white on one side. It helps oh, to bounce the light. the light. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I had to hold it for a scene and it was just like, I just had to hold it up in a really awkward position. And I feel like I wasn't wearing the right outfit for it either. But, um, I wasn't the person hired to hold the bounce, but anyway, I was holding it up and I was just thinking, this is like pure Kundalini yoga right here. Like it's just was like a tantric yeah, you, exercise yeah, you couldn't, to hold it. You don't move the bounce because it's like specifically lighting the actor that's on camera. Um, yeah, it was a lot. And even the camera operator I f and, the, and the sound, um, the person that's holding the boom mic, I was like, this is all kind of tantric. In in its own way. Well, to stay steady. Stay steady, yeah. Super Saturn. Yeah. Saturn's good steady. Yeah, I um, appreciated all of it. Which, yeah, yeah. If you're, you know, you can take spirituality, you can take it to the point of following popular accounts on Instagram. Like, you're allowed to go that deep. A lot of people probably just go as deep as listen to this podcast, for example. It's totally fine. I mean, that's what's cool is, like, you're allowed to, to delve in as deep as you want to. Um I do surround myself with people that are like full gone full spiritual like and delved in. But for me, it's the thing that my soul, that's the activity and what I like and have always been drawn to the most. So I just, that's what I'm about. Yeah. I'm grateful that I've turned that into a thing. Um, but that Saturn energy and holding steady I like to sometimes draw cards to say, what should we talk about? Mm -hmm. um, and I got that Saturn card, uh, the three of swords. Mm. I also got the three, or sorry, five of discs. But I feel like a lot of this tied into things we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. And the three of swords is a very famous card, especially in the Rider weight deck. And it's has a heart with three swords, like piercing through it. Mm. And in the deck I use, it's three swords at this like mucky background. And their sword points are going into what are sort of these rose petals and they're falling apart and everything's like weeping. Is, is there like glass in that one too? Almost. No, but okay. it's a bummer of a looking card. Yeah. The Rider weight one, I see it. I see a lot of people tattoo that because it's like this cool, like rock and roll looking bad boy, bad girl graphic. Um, except I would not suggest wearing the three of swords energetically all the time around you. 
And I, they'll, yeah. someone is going to make the argument there really are no bad tarot cards mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. On some level, that's complete bullshit. And it's a very heavy card. And yeah. why would you want to wear that heaviness around and always attract that energy? Like, it doesn't make sense. It's like I knew a guy who got this huge tattoo um, of Horus, which we talk about a lot, of, you know, the Avenger of the Light and his tw- his brother or whatever, or uncle, I, I forget now, but Set. Set is sort of the energy of evil for evil mm. and sort of decimates uh, all sort of good energy and keeps people sort of off their spiritual evolution. So just think dark forces of the universe. And the guy had this huge tattoo of Set mm. on his back that I knew years ago. He wasn't like a good friend. I was like, dude, I... I don't know that I would have that tattoo. And he's like, oh, you know, I was young. But it turned out that guy got like 14 years in prison for some things and related charges and drugs and I think weird shit on his computer. It was like like a little sketch. Like I said, I just happened to have worked with them briefly and then like we'd like gone out a couple times and like worked related settings but i feel like that energy attracted all of this darkness and he did things that were kind of dark and got a very long prison sentence whoa and he may still be in prison for all i know now but i don't i'm not like up on him the point i'm making is sometimes people get these tattoos because the symbolism looks cool Mm -hmm. the three of swords piercing the heart like yeah that looks tough that looks sort of badass but I wouldn't suggest it. But, you know, hey, it's your body. And if anything I believe in, it's yeah. up to you. But the Three of Swords is really about burdensome relationships. And all threes in the tarot come from Bina. And Bina is ruled by Saturn. Mm-hmm. So any tarot deck anywhere on the planet, anything about the number three does resonate and has an energy of Saturn. Saturn is like steadfast taskmaster is diligent is you know the builder has a lot of gumption a lot of power um but it's also very heavy it's very Mm -hmm. restrictive it's very intense it's a bummer and it's in libra libra is like our good friends the other person so Mm -hmm. this card it's saturn and libra so it's saturn Libra's the astrology and because it's a three all threes relate to Saturn. So you kind of have this double Saturn, Libra, and then you have swords, which are the mind. Mm-hmm. And that card, if you really look at it and think about it and contemplate it, it's a formula that tells us, and the card is called sorrow. So on one level, it's saying the sorrows are from your mind, mm. but also be not the number three and the tree of life. The spiritual experience of Bina is the vision of the sorrow of the universe. Yeah. And it's actually the archetype of the deep feminine. Um, And so some of that, there's a hidden message of this card that it transmutes into deep compassion um, and deep power. But it is just the intensity of burdensome relationships so I feel like that was coming up because last time we talked about relationships, but I feel like today I asked about it and got that card and I thought maybe those were lessons to sort of examine when when is it time to maybe either transmute and transform a relationship that mm-hmm. feels heavy and burdened. It's swords, which is mind. Swords is communication. It's air. Mm-hmm. Air is communication, mind. Um, 
or where is it time to use those swords and just eventually cut ties? Yeah. And um, you don't have to be stuck. And I think people get stuck in this notion of like family karma Mm -hmm. and all that sort of drama trauma stuff. And that card comes up to uh, remind you of those lessons. And ultimately those negative cards point us in a direction and remind us and invite us to say, let's move out of this pattern. Right. Saturn can keep you imprisoned. Well, wait a minute, because now I'm thinking of the movie we watched last night, which was a romance film, but it's this. It was a tragedy. It was a, (laughs) it was a tragic film. And it's, it was also a super sweet loving film. Yeah. uh, Like water for chocolates. Yes. And I'm just thinking, because when they finally get together, it's all these years later. Let's premise it. The movie is about a forbidden love. It's forbidden love. And it's forbidden based on a family tradition in the film. I don't know if this is a real thing. (laughs) The film takes place during the Mexican Revolution, which is from like 1910 to like 1920 or so. Mm. It's not really about the Mexican Revolution. There's a couple of great scenes. The film is ultimately sort of a comedy. It's a tragic comedy. It is a really cute, really good, very sweet film. But it's a love story, and it's a forbidden love based on the family tradition that this woman became widowed, so her youngest daughter was not allowed to marry because she had to take care of her mother until she dies. Right. And then this woman was in love with this man, and this young man was in love with her, and they could never be together. And the man marries his sister just to be her sister just to be closer to her, the yeah. woman he's in love with. And that is definitely this card where it's just the burden of an unfulfilled relationship. Um, But, you know, they stuck through it. It's a really cute... I recommend that film. I really liked it. Um, It's also filmed on film. Yeah. Because it came out in 92. Yes. And you were barely alive. You were two and a half probably when it came out. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> saw the movie in the theater, <laughs> like as a teenager. Uh, no, I would have been in your twenties. Uh, yeah, like twenty, <laughs> twenty-one. I was twenty or twenty-one, depending okay. on when it came out. Okay. Uh, Did you see it by yourself? Do you remember? Probably. Okay. I loved uh, my whole life. Well, not when I was a kid, but I love going to movies by myself. Same. Because it's it's a meditation. I don't want to hear someone's munching on popcorn or this or that. It's like I just get in the zone and I'm just like I'm in it. Yeah. And I could full like obsess. And in the theater, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't seen that movie since then. And I was curious if it stood the test of time. And I think it really did. Well, I love when she's because she's a really great cook. So when she puts whatever energy she puts into the food, everyone's effect. It has an alchemical reaction to the people well, eating it. That's why I wanted to watch the movie. You know, in in magic, the teachings about food and food preparation have to do with the energy. Mm-hmm. Like, the teaching was always, you're better off eating garbage food like McDonald's uh, and with a really good energy and a good vibe than eating some super organic, right out of your garden, all of this with a horrible vibe and horrible energy. And that when you prepare food, you should treat it as a very loving, um, a very loving and very sort of holy event, and that the food really picks up on the vibe and the vibrations. 
and that movie that was one of the core teachings of that movie and yeah. it, but they did it in such a fun so fun. way that if she We're was like, sad or she was impassioned or she was like super horny yeah and then everybody <laughs> got super horny yeah like, with her like rose sauce even the priest yeah like so <laughs> um well i'm not even gonna comment on that but well yeah anyhow it's a sweet and tragic but comedy they hit all the marks like yeah. you could cry you could laugh um, but it was filmed with a very comedic tone. Yes. And uh, it's a great movie that never gets talked about because the trailer sucks. The trailer's horrible. They need to. There needs to be some organization that takes all these old movies and revamps the trailers. I agree. Somebody, is there like a Hollywood person listening that could do that and at least throw them on YouTube? That would be amazing because yeah. I actually watched the trailer when I was thinking when I, that was my vote for the movie to watch. Yeah. And I was like, this trailer is so bad. With one, of, <laughs> This was the era of voiceovers yes. for trailers. And I didn't even want to show it to you because mm-hmm. it, I was... I didn't even look at I the I was going to have a hard time convincing you that it's actually a good movie. And then I was like, maybe it won't stand the test of time. Well, totally our friend did. who came over, thought I had sent her the trailer, and she thought we were going to watch it as... What did she say? Are we... Cringe watching. Are we cringe watching this? And I was like... Like that show no, Manifest <laughs> that like, we are no, 100% I think we're actually... cringe watching now? <laughs> yeah. With the voices. <laughs> that show is just gone. It's been off the rails. It's totally off the rails. But it's like, you get into like a show that's like horrible, and then... At least Gene and I like to continue watching it to see just how bad and how off the rails the writing, the acting, the sound editing is horrible. We're constantly sitting there with the volume, turning it up, turning it down. You can't hear the dialogue. The background noise is too loud. So Mm -hmm. Netflix, you need to run everything through some good sound editing. Yeah. that show is so cringy right now, yet yeah. we're watching it. So I get where she thought we were going to cringe watch it, and it, yeah. that wasn't my intention at all. Yeah, and we all really liked it at the end, but it's that it's that tragic love story where... It's Three of Swords. I know, and I was like, is it is it worth it? But I guess it really fulfilled... I don't know. It was just It was really tragic for me. But then this morning I woke up, and I was like, that was actually a really beautiful ending. It was totally they finally, beautiful. They finally... Don't ruin... You are a plot ruiner. <laughs> you, spoiler alert, people. Gina, shh. Well, that's why no, I didn't sh- even want to say what, what I'm like, was It's about. always like, I'm like, hey, oh, what's that movie about? And then you basically <laughs> just went through from start to finish the entire... Told me the movie. Yeah. Like, not just like, oh, it's a movie about forbidden love well, and I don't the mind sensuality when people, of food. Yeah, but for me, like, I don't know... I don't mind if I already know the ending. It's more watching the movie. It's... It's the journey, not the destination, babe. Okay, but not everyone's like that. So yeah, that's don't true. Be, you're just all right. I won't be a spoiler. Plot, spoiler. Plot. You're a plot ruiner. Yeah. <laughs> Can't. Be- <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so mad. Um, it's a sweet movie. We we give it. Um, I think Christina liked it. So is yeah. that collectively that is six thumbs up. Six thumbs. <laughs> We give it six thumbs up. Yeah. Because um, I'm double thumbing. Exactly. Me too. I'm a double thumber. Yeah. Um, but it does tie in this three of swords. It's where are your relationships, where are your bonds, connections, tragic, and where do you play by the old rules, the karma, that's Saturn. Where are you f- playing by family karma? Mm. Where are you just letting family tragedy, family karma? And, right. um I think we all should have do our due justice to break 
those patterns. I've, my vote, though, is if we do this again, I don't want to watch subtitles. For the next movie? Yeah. Well, that's why I was like, Dead Zone, but okay. You, kn- I am the one who told you about Dead Zone. I know. Because of this cringe show manifest <laughs> about hearing the voices. And Dead Zone is like this classic film with Christopher Walken. And he's like psychic. And he's hearing voices, but he always goes into convulsions. Mm. I was thinking that's a little bit of a cringe yet cool film. It actually, I saw that in the theaters as a kid. Um, my parents would let me see anything. I was allowed to see any like rated R films, which is why I wound up being traumatized by the Elephant Man. Yeah, I, we had someone message saying they also were traumatized by yeah, the Elephant no, Man. Yeah, no, that was great. I couldn't yeah. eat uh, tofu after that. There was something about tofu that reminded me of the Elephant <sighs> Man, like scrambled tofu, <sighs> and I just I couldn't eat it. And when I was going to the yoga ashram school, we basically ate some form of tofu, like rice and vegetables, every single day, at least just for lunch. And then we actually had to cook all the food ourselves, and we had little teams. So like Wednesday was our day to cook the food, which I really yeah. liked because I was like cooking. Um, but yeah, I could not eat certain foods. I'm trying to think what other movies traumatized me because my parents had no restrictions. Did you see Eraserhead too? That one's yes. That didn't traumatize me. It just wasn't great. I don't. I, just sometimes when people overly, I always wonder. I'm like, did you really enjoy that? I was traumatized by Hellraiser. I think I saw that when I was like seven. That's really young. I would not let my seven-year-old see Hellraiser. No, it was like I was, was like with the babysitter. And they're like, let's watch Hellraiser. <laughs> uh, the coming attractions for like one of the Halloween movies when I was a kid, just that freaked me out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was like scared of some of those things. Chucky really freaked me out. A lot of like horror movies scared me. Um. The only horror movie that I remember being that I watched and then was super freaked out about was Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. Um, but we should save this for the Halloween oh, yes. ghost entity yeah. demon Ooh, episode. I like that. What's the difference between a poltergeist and things like that? This was supposed to be the, the teacher's slash the family burden, family karma card. <laughs> um, but th- I, what else I thought was interesting is a few other cards came up, one of which was the nine of discs, which is gain, and the other is the five of discs, which is worry. Mm. And all of these were still topics that we talked about last time about making money and about relationships. And uh, so I think the message is our reminder to everybody, maybe you can either, you can clear those karmic ties. And yeah. You can move out of it. I like kundalini yoga, and I like the teaching that kundalini affects seven generations that came previous and seven generations into the future. So when you, and regardless of kundalini, when you do a spiritual, dedicated spiritual path and work on your own evolution, it actually affects the family lines and the family ties. Mm -hmm. And you can work on clearing that karma and those energies. And remember, you're incarnated. uh, Who knows where you're going to be incarnated into next time? So in magic, we don't, get so caught up in in family legacy and things like that biology right um but the nine of discs is the card of sort of positive tangible assets prosperity i have a question yes just going into the family thing can you um for in in magic is there anything about like being guided by ancestors no okay absolutely is not magic 
Magic is does it does not get into that. Magic is like this is you. Mm-hmm. This is your soul. Mm-hmm. This is your soul connected to divinity, and this is your work. Okay. And if anything, the teachings and magic say you need to absolve yourself from those family ties and karma, um, but the energy, mm-hmm. not like oh, and then. There's deeper teachings that if you raise a child magically, for example, they're still choosing to be into that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what you're do- trying to do is create the environment for the child's highest destiny and their own soul's work to be done and to try to not interfere with that. Okay. And they may not want to practice magic. Yeah. Or they may choose a different spirituality, but, or not, but, you know, the the sense of family cultural ties and all those binds magic sees it mostly as an illusion Mm. and that it's just keeping your soul from advancing but people really you know there are other traditions that really tie into that that's not the magical tradition okay so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna comment on other traditions that really get into ancestry but magic is like, all right, let's like, let, you got you, you got your soul's mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it still teaches there are ties and there's connections. It's just not always good ones. Yeah. People don't understand or, or recognize that. But I want to get into money, Gina. Yeah, sorry. Um, Go ahead. Nine of discs is a very, it's Venus and Virgo. Venus is prosperity. Venus is um, your self-worth and Virgo is self-improvement. And this is a a wonderful card and there's a wonderful message of ultimately saying, you know what, I'm I'm worthy, I'm worth it, I'm going to work on myself. That sort of general idea of Virgo is like a step-by-step steady, add a little more good, doesn't matter what you're doing now, just add more good things to your life and things evolve and so you change your frequency with venus Mm. venus is the planet of attraction venus is good looks so the deeper teaching is making yourself a fit receptacle make yourself attractive enough to the prosperity that you want Mm -hmm. if you're just like you know a truculent shithead (laughs) why should anything come to you yeah and um venus says make yourself that and virgo is very pure so um, this is like your, pru- your true, pure, sort of prosperous self. That's the nine mm. of discs really coming to fruition. Because I thought it was interesting because it contrasted this five of discs, which is worry, which is mercury, overthinking in Taurus, which is self-reliance. So it's like never, it's the scarcity card, never have enough. Yeah. And that card, worrying is praying for things you don't want. And it just amplifies and amplifies and amplifies. So I thought it was interesting that these cards on relationships and prosperity all came up again yeah. today and what to talk about. Well, it's it reminds me, um, my friend was saying she worked in sales. And one of the tricks with like, you know, if you're um, if you're sending a proposal for a job and, and you're trying to figure out like how much it's going to cost, whatever number you feel comfortable with, double that number. And that's one of the, that's one of like the tricks she was like, it's more like, I mean, in sales, she was saying you really get to play with like presenting different numbers and seeing sort of going outside of your comfort zone. Um, 
with, yeah, I like that. with numbers, but I was like, but when she said that and I was, I was about to send a proposal, I was like, <gasps> double the number that I'm like comfortable with. It, it, it really, um, I had like a visceral reaction. <laughs> a lot of people do. <laughs> but I think do. there's I a lot of like great, that. yeah, but I thought that that was a, I, I think of that all the time now. She I mean, told I was me last f- week, so I'm like, well, yeah, every but day. years ago, I wanted, I went to double my rates, and I was so nervous about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember going through this whole th- dialogue in my head, and I've spoken on this before, and I was completely undercharging, and um, even doubling my rate was still undercharging. But I was new, and I was guided to say, pick something. Like I meditated on what I offered, then I meditated on what that was worth. And for me, I was like, oh, this is worth $500,000. If I could get all this information, this download about myself and who I am and my incarnation, I'd be set. And that's why I do a reading sometimes for somebody, and it's like, they're they're set five years later they're texting me oh my god remember this you said this and that which i don't always remember from five years ago. yeah but uh the point i'm making which relates to what you're saying is i knew it was time and i was doubling my rates and the first person that messaged me i was so nervous and they were i was uh, you know that we just i had uh texted about like times and I was like, okay, well, you know, Tuesday at noon, you know, is is open. And they were like, great. And they were like, oh, how much do you charge? They wanted to know, do they bring a check or how? And uh, it took me forever to message back. And I was so scared to just say my rate, Mm. my new rate. They didn't know me. And then I was thinking, and then I was about to say, well, I charge this. But if, you know, if you can't do that, I work with people. I already came up with a whole laundry list of excuses and things to back out of it. Yeah. And I finally, I just sent it a text and I said, here's, it's this amount. And in like a nanosecond, they messaged me back. They're like, great, I'll see you Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. That changed my life though. Yeah. That instant changed my life. And by getting out of my comfort zone of what I didn't value about myself, Venus, Mm -hmm. that's nine of discs, value, I didn't value myself. Um, and then I saw once I just stated my worth and that was it, like they immediately said, great, I'll see you Tuesday. Right. And that was everything to me. That yeah. was one of my greatest life lessons right there. And um, that took some practice. Yeah. And I totally undervalued myself. Yeah. I was total under earner. So everyone has homework this week where they need to just double their rates. Well, I don't know if it's doubling your rate yeah. or it's at least getting to a value and assess, but I'd like this sort of, on some level, double it Yeah. Um, and see what are you, you know, what are you putting out there? Of course, there's always the extreme of someone who's not worth it and is delusional, but that's Venus. Venus is delusional. Venus is like illusory success. Mm. So... Venus is rose-colored glasses. Venus, it's rare that I meet someone who thinks they're so much more than they are, though, because of weird Venus. It happens. Society, we see that. But in general, most of the people I deal with and probably are listening probably could up their value. Yeah. Um, and that's what that card teaches. Or even just sit with with the number that you feel comfortable with and then double it and see how you actually react to that to that number. Well, I guess. I don't know. Put it in action. 
I doubled yeah. my rates. I, someone and then you messaged put me. I, I had a service, and I didn't. I didn't send a message that said, "Well, you know, I just upped my rates, and it's this amount of money." But if you can't do that, I could do my old. Pre- I didn't do that. I wanted to. Yeah. Right, my mind. Let's go to the five of discs. Worry, Mercury. My mind wanted to do all of those things. Five of discs is like the weight of the world on your shoulders. You barely get by. You got to pay your rent every month and you never have enough. Mm-hmm. That's that card. And you're yeah. living week to week, hand to mouth, whatever. Always just skimming by. And um, day late, dollar short. It's a very deading energy card. Um, so I just, I took the thoughts and I didn't act on my thoughts. I just said, it's this amount of money. Sent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what so put into action because if you overthink it and then overfeel it and blah 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 you may do nothing about it yeah okay go high yeah I mean know your worth but you gotta also what we talked about with having a teacher is you have to be objective with yourself and a teacher a good teacher is gonna hit those points and if you can't take some level of criticism or objective truth about the reality of your deficiencies, you're never going to grow anyway. This is where most people don't grow because they're too rattled by their own insecurity to make a change. Mm -hmm. Just like many episodes ago, we talked about the comfort zone is where your dreams go to die. (laughs) And uh, we're comfortable not growing. It's easier. So... um, and I used to be someone who wouldn't grow until I got so uncomfortable in staying stagnant. Mm-hmm. And finally, I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of this shit, uh, especially with money and things like that. But five of discs is like the weight of the world. It's an inverted pentagram. Inverted pentagrams just are like the hole where you've put material stress uh, before spiritual evolution. Yeah. If you put your spiritual inner work first and make that your priority, the rest of the things start to fall into place. Mm -hmm. You still do the things. I still upped my rate, you know. Uh, There's a lot of, like, pauper under-earning mentality I notice sometimes around spirituality and things like that. Or people just under-earn in life because they're not sure. Those are the same people that just overdo it, overwork. Um, you know, there's, there's a quality of being of service and that Virgo energy with that nine of discs is a very prosperous card and Virgo really is a sign of service Mm -hmm. and it is showing up and doing like the best job. Yeah. Um, and, and again, we touched on it last week. Sometimes you just have to make the money, make the money. If it's not like your grand career that you're working towards it, so be it. It's no big deal. That's just a short, like. Ends to means, yeah, or means to an end. Means <laughs> to that's an how end. it goes. Yeah. I don't even know the saying. Yeah, Duh. Um, I know I should be uh, adding to this conversation, but now I'm just thinking about yeah, <laughs> where see, I'm, I'm subtly <laughs> hitting on every single one of your issues. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, okay. I was just thinking, I was like, because I have a South Node in Virgo, I was like, could it be like I'm still in that like service mode that I have to. Virgo's Mercury, Virgo will overthink it all and not yeah. take the action. So, yeah. But South Node is like where you came from, what your 
familiar yeah. with? Well, most the general narrative is people say South Node is what you have to come out of and go into your North Node. South Node, North Node are always opposite. So Virgo and Pisces are opposite. Yeah. And so it's, that means you have a North Node of Virgo, which is, I, have a north I mean, North node. node of Pisces, yeah. which is what you're coming into. But the South Node of Virgo, which is like service and dedication and loyalty mm. and self-improvement, um, I think that we, the way I look at it is that we can still draw on those skills of our South Node. Yeah. Like we, we already kind of mastered it, so we're good at it. When we need to use it, use it. Mm-hmm. Um Pisces is very sort of high and abstract consciousness. Mm. It's very dreamy. Yeah. Virgo is very practical. Right. So use practicality, but now uh, Pisces really can expand into the infinite. Mm. My. So I got to get more dreamy and artsy, less sleeping. I don't know about if that's the issue, it's so yeah, I don't just I don't want to infringe you, you on your alone Virgo, time in the morning. <laughs> Virgo is an under earner. Yeah. Virgo is a martyr. Yeah. Where do you martyr yourself? Where do you under earn yourself? Yeah. Where are you not worth it? Where do you put everyone else's needs above your needs? Mm. And that's Virgo. That's one aspect. One of aspect Virgo. of Virgo. Virgo is a very sweet, very pure, very right energy field. Yeah. Its dark side is it's incredibly critical and is just a a martyr that gets taken advantage of all the time. Mm. Um, And that's, it's a hard lesson. Virgo is one of the harder energy fields. But Mm. when you hone it in right, Virgo is very brilliant um, and very right, very angelic. Um, So... It's, you know, there's there's a lot to be learned. We're coming into Virgo season. They're in a few, really in meticulous a so. too, right? It's Mercury. Yeah. Mercury is meticulous. I can't um, wait for Virgo season because then we can talk about Nick Cave. Uh, he's <laughs> meticulous and yeah. he shows up for work and he's dedicated to his work. Yeah. Virgo's very dedicated. Mm-hmm. So now you've learned all these lessons of dedication. Where are you going into the bigger world with that? Okay. Where are you serving like... Where have you are at a higher level? Mm. You know, the negative side of Pisces is it's so dreamy and out there and it's just lost. Just lost. Lost in the, the abyss. The abyss of love. Yeah. It's a sign. <laughs> uh, I think Pisces Pisces might drive me the most crazy. Really? Um, in a way, yeah. I Even love though Pisces. my entire career is based on reading the signs. Um, I don't think there's any sign that drives me crazy. Every sign drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. The, it's yeah. true. And then there, I love every sign. Yeah. So I just see where it manifests in some people. Uh, but most of my friends throughout my life are all Virgos and Geminis. Mm-hmm. So those are the Mercury-ruled signs. Right. And so... Well, you I, like to talk. I do. Um I talk for a living, yeah. essentially, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's a good question on the nodes. Mm-hmm. Like, my south node is in Leo, mm. right? And a lot of people actually would look at me. I get misread sometimes as Leo, probably because of my hair and things like that. But I just draw on that Leo energy to say, oh, I can speak publicly. I can put myself out there. 
it ties into all the tens in my numerology. And mm -hmm. uh, so I use it. I use it as a skill set that I've already worked with. Right. Um, I'm moving into Aquarian. My North Node's Aquarius. So I'm, it's, that's big collective energy, humanitarian. Right. You know, so Leo's like, look at me. I'm fucking awesome. And I'm a star. So I just drawn a little bit that to allow it to give me the confidence to put myself out there. But it's bigger picture now. Right. You know, Elon Musk is reverse. His oh, he south, south node, node of Aquarius? Aquarius. Interesting. So he's like took, he probably had a past life as like, or many past lives, like high science, sort of high out there genius energy mm. might even be part alien or came from alien Something. planets. Uh, so he had all that knowledge and he came here and took that. And now he's actually learning like fame and he's famous as fuck. Yeah. Um, so is the uh, high intention as I would see it would be that he was supposed to get evolutionary concepts for the planet and take the fame and get that Aquarian ideals out there more. Right. Is he doing that or not? I don't know. To some well, degree, and maybe that's is. the world we live in now where you have to have, there has to be a level of fame if you're, if you're giving or uh, informing concepts and ideas and evolution to the world. There's a business, a spiritual business teaching that says, if you want to have success in business, you have to reconcile any issues you have with fame. Mm. You've got to put yourself out there. And it's in the top five number one problems I encounter when I do readings. Yeah. And so I know people are listening and I know I brought that issue up in your reading, but it's because of things that I saw, not just because, oh, you know, I, I see undervalued Taurus and Chiron almost all the time is like major struggles of self-worth and self-value mm. that manifests in not great relationships, always struggling financially. doesn't yeah. mean it's not always that, but you see that a lot. And I, you, you do a lot of readings and you see patterns that where these um, different aspects. I'm like, Oh, this really does manifest in these ways. And, and it, it, takes on different patterns and things like that. Right. But the lesson here with these cards is stop overthinking it. Stop worrying. Know your worth. Be comfortable putting it out there because then I got the Ace of Wands, which is new. To keep it real simple, that's new beginnings of a career. Wands, fire is career. I like and, that. Um, career is this bigger concept. And the career, the money is tangible asset is discs. So fire is career. The money is discs. You work the career that makes the money. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but the career is big picture. And that's also your bigger spiritual evolution. So the Ace of Wands says, let's all have a new beginning, which also ties into, we're kind of entering these high holy days. Yeah. So check out the workshop. The new beginnings. I do have to say in the first podcast episode, I said that I wanted to step into being a producer more and I'm already doing that. So I thought that that was, uh, I just wanted to give everyone a progress report. Oh yeah. That's really cool. See, yeah. you st said it. I said it. Yeah. Then you got the opportunity Yeah. and then you acted on it and then you actually followed it through. Yes. That's why in magic, we work in all four worlds. I mean, I've, I've been producing this podcast too and we're going to go another level with it. Um, but yeah, that was, there was a, but just, you just a producing producing pilot, project. a show, film, a show, all of yeah. that, art department, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, this is you and I recording on our zoom wave recorder. Yeah. 
and then you do the edits. But yes, you are producing this. But I yeah. mean, that was like a much bigger. Level. But that was yeah, that was like managing a budget and all this other stuff, crew, um, hiring crew, finding people. So anyway, I just wanted to I just wanted to let everyone know that I stated something with the universe, and then an opportunity presented itself, and I was like, I'm gonna do it because that's what I told the universe I wanted. Exactly. Yeah. So don't ask for things and then don't follow through on it. Exactly. Um, that's just, you start short circuiting it. And then it's not even like the universe where you want to attribute a personality of the universe saying, well, fuck you, but you're just short circuiting the energy. Yeah. So, um, and magic we teach, if you have skill sets and, and talents, like use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all ties into these cards. So, I say with that. I think you're going to be like, and that's all, folks. Yeah, it should be because we're running at one hour and 40 minutes. Jesus. Let thy soul be awakened. 